1986 when a six-year-old named Cody Sheehy was lost in the woods in Wallowa County, uh, Northeast Oregon. Uh, he had been out with his family and they were experiencing the woods together and he was from that area. But through a series of events, uh, he got separated from his family and he was lost. And pretty quickly they put together a search party and people were on horseback kind of crisscrossing the Blue Mountains there to try to find them. But they never found Cody because he found them. Uh, six years old, and he was out there for 18 hours. And the best estimate is that he traveled between 14 and 20 miles in those 18 hours, six years old. And the way he made his way home was he was walking uh, through the forest, and he would kind of circle back. He would go out and see if he found anything that he recognized, and he would come back to where he was because you're supposed to come back to where you were lost, and that's what he was doing, kind of in a radius outward. And then he ran across a path a dirt road that was away going somewhere. And in his six-year-old little mind, he reasoned that if there's a path, if there's a road there, it's going somewhere. So he got on the way, and he just took off, and he made his way home. We began a message last week that we hope to conclude today. This is not the sequel to last week's message. This is the conclusion to last week's message. You know, J.R. Tolkien used to say that the Lord of the Rings was not a trilogy. It was one story in three volumes. Well, this is one sermon in two volumes. Not the sequel. It's just a completion. And last week we asked this question. And the question was this. How are we going to make it through these days? How are we going to find our way home because in some ways I kind of feel like a, a six-year-old lost in the woods with this pandemic with things that's going on in our world today how are we going to find our way through all this and we began looking at a text in scripture in first Corinthians it begins with the last verse of chapter 12 and goes through chapter 13 where Paul says and now I will show you the most excellent way and he describes to them the way of love this is the way through this year this is the way through perilous times that we may be facing. It's the way of love. It reminds me of, uh, you know, there's been a lot of iterations of Star Wars lately, uh, but the, and, and most of them are terrible, with one happy exception of The Mandalorian. And we mentioned this last week, and, and The Mandalorian, you know, is one of a group of people called The Mandalore, and, and they always say, they have this phrase that they say, this is the way. And the Mandalore have a way. And, and, and you might not like it. You might wish it was a different way. You might wish it was an easier way. But if you're going to be a Mandalorian and follow the way of the Mandalore, this is the way. And, and in fact, the, the leaders, she will sometimes say, this is the way. And everybody in the congregation of the Mandalore say, this is the way. And, and being a Christian is kind of like being a Mandalorian. I mean, we don't, have, we don't shoot people very often. We don't, you know, we don't have cool flamethrowers coming out of our fists. We don't have cute little baby Yoda, but we are in a battle. We are in a warfare. We don't have physical armor. We have spiritual armor. We have a sword of the spirit. We have a mission, and there is a way. You might not like the way. You might wish the way was easier, but to be a Christian means there's a way. It's like Francis Chan put it this way. He said, uh, you know, God created the universe, and then he told us the way in which we're supposed to live in it. Now, you may think you've discovered a better way, but you don't have a universe. And so this is the way. You know, in Acts chapter 9, uh, before uh, Christians were known as Christians, that didn't happen until chapter 11 of Acts in Antioch, where they were first known as Christians, little anointed ones, little Christ. Uh, um, before they were known as Christians, they were known in Acts chapter 9 as what? The way. 
people of the way. That's, that's what they were known. So here's the big idea that we started last week. The way through 2020 is the way of love. If you want to know how are we going to make it through all of this, here's the answer. Follow the way of love. And in the first three verses of chapter 13, he talked about the importance of the way. If you have all of the gifts but, but you don't have love, it's nothing. Then in the next four verses, he gave the description of the way. Love is patient. Love is kind. We went through all of that. And then we pick up today in verse 8 when he's going to talk about the permanence of the way. This is not a temporary way. This is a permanent way, beginning in verse 8. If you look at it with me, 1 Corinthians 13. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Now, now let's look at that text and just kind of break it down. Verse 8 starts with these words, love never fails. Let me ask you a question. What does, what does that phrase stir up on the inside of you when you hear that? Like, like what, what does, it, does it make you feel anything? Does it make you think anything? Because I hear that. I hear love never fails. And my first reaction is, really? Like never fails? I mean, I don't know how you feel about this, but when I hear verses like that, my first reaction is, wow, that's a beautiful thought, but it sounds like something you would see or hear in a Hallmark movie, not real life. And please, no one get upset. I'm not putting down the Hallmark movie. Mom, I'm not, I'm not putting down Hallmark movies. I've only seen one, though I'm told if you've seen one, I don't... But I'm not making any judgments. But it's like in the one Hallmark movie I saw, you know, uh, you know, it was kind of like, you know, this love never fails would kind of fit in the movie because, you know, this lady comes out, she's like on a, I don't know what this, you know, like a, a houseboat or whatever, and she comes, she kind of looks down, you know, down there on the bayou, and, 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 and she says, you know, daddy's sick, and he's not going to get well, and we don't have any money for food, but Tammy's in love, so everything's going to be okay. Why? Because love never fails. Love never fails? Really? Because I think I remember one time. Well, what did Paul mean when he said love never fails? Well, let me tell you what Paul didn't mean. First of all, when Paul says love never fails, he does not mean love will always get you what you want in every situation. You need to hear me. This, this is true. It does not always produce what you want it to produce. Let me explain. Paul, who wrote this book, did a lot of ministry, he went to a lot of towns, he met with a lot of people, and he loved a lot of people. And if what love never fails means is that love always wins and always gets its way in the end from people in terms of getting them to respond the way you want them to respond, then every person he cared for, every person he ministered to, every person that Paul loved would have responded to his love and ministry. The fact is, they didn't. In fact, some people responded to his love by throwing rocks at him 
dragging him out of the city and leaving him for dead. Love never fails does not necessarily guarantee you're going to get your way in every situation. Now, you might think at first you're being a little negative or maybe you're being a little discouraging. But really, if you think about this, this is very freeing. Because I think of a lot of parents. I think of some parents, maybe even some of you here who are living under an incredible kind of bondage that has told you if you really love your kids enough, if your love is really perfect, they will always come around and do what you want them to do. And if they're not doing what they should be doing right now or what you want them to be doing right now, it's your fault, isn't it? Because you didn't love them enough or you didn't love them in the right way or in the right perspective. And now, here's the deal. Listen, we need to love our children, and that's a sermon for another day. But the truth is, love can be spurned. Perfect love can be rejected. It can be turned away. Love never fails does not mean love always gets its way. You you don't have a promise that just because you love, it's always going to be reciprocated. That is not what this passage means. In fact, the classic example of that is God's love to the world, which is continually, daily, at this moment, being spurned by the world in droves. And not just the world out there, but the world in here. (laughs) Sometimes those of us who know Jesus loves us, sometimes we reject his love, and we push it away. So if, you're, so if you're a parent here and you're kind of carrying some shame about where, you're, where your kids are in life right now, let me just alleviate you of that. And remind you that you may have made some mistakes too in the past. <laughs> Haven't we? And the enemy of our souls, he likes to lie to us and put us in bondage and say, if you only would have loved better. That's not what this text is saying. So so what does it mean? When it says love never fails, what does it mean? Well, let's break it down. The word fails means to fall. It means to decay or to pass away. And the picture is that of a flower. You know, flowers in bloom, it's beautiful, but then it dies, the petals fall, and it decays. And so what the word falls means is it doesn't end, it doesn't decay, it doesn't die. And and the word never, if you look that up in the Greek, this is very deep. Please have your pen out to write down notes on this. Uh, If you just do the research, the word never here means never. So what the verse is saying is simply this, real love does not at any time die. So the NIV translates it this way, love never fails, but the ESV translates it this way, love never ends. And And if you're, you know, if I was choosing a study Bible today, if I was starting over and study, I would choose the ESV, okay? Uh, I've memorized so many scriptures in the NIV, I'm just sticking with the NIV. It's too late for me, but you can save yourselves, yeah, choose the ESV. Um, But here's more where the ESV is actually better, because I think this is better, love never ends, and even the message, believe it or not, is one of the wild times when the message is actually more accurate, the message says, love never dies. So, so let's, let's put it in the context. Love never falls, it never ends, it never dies, it never ceases to be. But the gifts of prophecy end, and tongues uh, will fail, they will fall in the end, they will decay. Gifts of knowledge will be done away with as well. In other words, love is eternal, the gifts are temporary. Now I want to be sure you understand, Paul isn't saying that the gifts and love compete. It isn't love versus the gifts and you got to choose. Well, we got to choose one. Do we love or do we have the gift? No, love is the context for the gifts. Love is the air that the gifts should breathe. Love is the habitat, if you will, for the functioning of the gifts. And here's what he's saying. Corinthians, what I want you to see 
is that in your zeal for the gifts, you've forgotten about love. And the problem with having zeal for the gifts or zeal for anything and forgetting about love is this. Whether you know it or not, your pursuit of a good thing, in your pursuit of a good thing, you forfeited a better thing. The most important thing, that's a bad trade. Because in your preoccupation with the good thing, you missed the point entirely. You traded the internal value of love, the virtue of love, for a temporal buzz, and that's a bad trade. And all of your excitement and the thrill and the busyness of the gifts, what you did was this, that the only thing that really mattered, love, was the one thing you were willing to let go of. Now, it may be that you're here and you can't relate to this confrontation as it relates to the gifts. And you may be thinking, I, I don't think I've done that. I, I don't think I, I've, I've focused on the gifts to the exclusion of love. I don't, I don't think I've done that. And I don't think we do that here. You know, there's some churches that almost worship the gifts. And, you know, we do, we, I think we do a pretty good job of appreciating the gifts, making room for the gifts. But we don't worship the gifts. We worship God who is the giver of the gifts. And so you may be thinking, I, I don't know, I relate to this. Fair enough. But in this pandemic, have you become so obsessed with the latest news or the latest study or, or, or social media or the latest conspiracy theory or the latest prophecy or the latest cause or the latest platform of a political party that you willingly let go of the one thing that will last forever? The one thing that really matters. The way of love. See, when, when he says here, love never ends, what he's saying is this. Hey, Corinthians, folks, you need to understand, gifts are great, but the only thing that matters, the only thing that is eternal is love. Would you focus, for heaven's sakes, on love? This is the way. And he gives three reasons right out of the text. We'll look at it right out of the text here, why you should focus on love. Number one, love is forever. That's what he's saying. When he's saying love never ends, he's saying love is permanent, the gifts are temporary. Look at verse 8. Love never fails, never ends, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Now here's the irony of this whole thing. This, this text is the number one most used text for people who say the gifts of the Spirit are not for today. But in reality, what this text is actually saying is that the gifts are only for today. Do you see? Isn't that ironic? He's saying the gifts are for today. Love is forever. Because when I'm in eternity, I'm not going to need a gift of healing. We're all going to be healed. There's not, listen, love is eternal. COVID-19 is temporary. So when I get to heaven, I'm not going to need a gift of healing. Right? I'm not going to need a word of knowledge. I'm going to know as I'm fully known. I'm not going to need a prophecy. I'm not going to need faith. God's right there. See, those things, those gifts are for now. Love is eternal, and we're, this is what he's doing. He's inviting us to embrace the eternal right now. N.T. Wright, commenting on this verse, writes the following. He says, imagine it this way. Picture it this way. Love is God's river flowing on into the future across the border into the country where there is no pride no jostling for position no contention among God's people we are invited to step into the river here and now and let it take us where it's going see here, here, here's what's happening right now and what's going to continue to happen throughout the year 2020 there are a lot of voices out there saying this is the way and there's a lot of voices out there saying, this is the most important thing in the whole world. 
And there's going to be a siren's call going to be wooing you to put your hope in and ultimately to give your life for something that's temporary. No matter what it is, if it's a political party, if it's a theory, if it's whatever. It's not eternal. And what Paul is warning us is don't do it. That's a bad trade. Give your life to, order your life around that which is eternal. Love is forever. This is the way. He says, number two, it's not just that love is forever. It's that love is complete. I mean, look at the text. He's saying love is complete. The gifts are partial. Now, I want to, I pray that God helps us understand this. I pray the Holy Spirit just helps us right now to kind of get our heads around this because there is both a confrontation and a comfort in these words. Look at, look at verses 9 and 12. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. Verse 12 says, now I know in part, then I shall know fully. Now, this is, first of all, very humbling. Because, see, I can have a real gift of the word of knowledge, and I can have insight into God's word and to some situation in your life, and we apply God's word to your life, and there's a certain excitement that comes with being able to speak truth into somebody's life. I mean, that's very exciting. But you know what's humbling? If we can understand that, that all the things we think we know, however much we think we know, however deep we think we are, however much insight we think we have, no matter how much it is, you only know in part. You only prophesy in part. You haven't scratched the surface of real deep knowledge. And you might think you, you, you know it all. So we're, here's the deal. We, we think we know so much that we get real willing to be dogmatic and divide ourselves from brothers and sisters in Christ. And we need to be careful about the things that we will divide over. Because one of the things that I constantly need to be aware of is that no matter how much I know, I only know in part. No matter how many degrees you have or how smart you think you are. No matter how many books you've read. I know some of you are like, well, I don't have a lot of degrees, but do you have any idea how many movies I've watched? I know some stuff, okay? I've watched like a hundred YouTube videos last night. I know stuff. You know what I find among some of us as Christians? Sadly, sometimes we're so quick to judge. We're so quick to judge each other and put labels on people and dismiss people. And sometimes I just feel like just there's sometimes if we just sat down and talked, we'd find out that we might say it differently, but we mean the same thing. We serve the same Jesus. We got the same Father. We, got, we share the same Holy Spirit. We have the same level of commitment. We just say it different. And some of us, because we say it different, we're willing to divide over each other. And you better know right now that whatever you think you know, you only know in part. This ought to be humbling to us. We ought to be the most humble people. A number of years ago, I came across a quote by Oswald Chambers. You, you've heard me use it before. He said this, There is always one fact more in every man's case about which you know nothing. We're quick to judge people, but there's always at least one more. You're, it's probably more than one, but there's always one more thing you don't know. So we should be humble. That's kind of the confrontation side, but there's a comfort side in this whole thing too. There's a positive side as well, and, and, and I might just get so excited right now that I might just go into worship, and, you know, y'all can join me if you want to because this is very exciting to me. 
Last week, I mentioned this last week, I think, that, that last Saturday morning and last Sunday morning, I had two experiences in my house. Saturday morning, it was in the bedroom. Uh, Sunday morning, it was in our kitchen, in which case, both times where I was feeling some anxiety, I was feeling some worry for family members, for we were going to have we had a funeral for Toby Shelton on Saturday and preaching on Sunday, and I was feeling some anxiety and some worry and some concern for family members, and, and, just, and, and as I was praying over who I am in Christ, and I can't explain this to you, but I experienced this presence of God. I, I don't even, it, it, what I'm saying, what I'm about to explain to you is beyond words, okay? Just no, I, I don't have the words for this. But I experienced sitting in my bedroom, sitting in my kitchen, praying over who I am in Christ. It was like the presence of God came down and I felt this, I don't know how to say this. It's like I felt this presence come down and go through me and, and, and just wash over me. And it was like in a moment. Sometimes I wrestle with really feeling clean from my past and feeling really forgiven and truly holy and truly blameless and truly loved. Sometimes I struggle with that. But in this moment, it was like all of that junk was washed away. And, 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 and with it, all kinds of other stuff like worry. Like I didn't have any worry. Saturday, Worry wasn't even in my zip code on Saturday morning. I, 40241 was free of worry, at least for a few minutes on Saturday and Sunday morning. I didn't have any worry. I didn't have any fear. I didn't, I didn't have no, I wasn't thinking, oh, poor me. Oh, oh, oh God, I hope, I hope you help me. It wasn't even any of that. And some of you know what I'm talking about, and you know uh, what that's like when you just feel cleansed and, you, and it just washes over you and it's real to you. And others of you, you understand something of the grace of God and, and, and maybe it was foggy for a while, but it's become more clear to you. And some of you, it's, not the, it's the majesty of God. It's, we're, we're, we're singing about that. Sometimes we're just singing in here and you just get overwhelmed with how awesome and mighty God is. Do you know what the good news is? Here's the good news. The good news is this, that however much of the grace of God you know, it's better than that. You only know in part. See, what I felt on that Saturday and that Sunday, I, I just I felt the grace of God, the forgiveness, the love of God. I just felt overwhelmed with his love. But as much as I felt, I only know in part. Does that do anything for you? Because however forgiven you feel, however clean you are able by the grace of God to feel before the Lord, you want to know something? You're more forgiven than you know. God's grace is greater than you know. It's bigger than you've experienced. And you might have had some experience where it just washed over you and you just felt ready to meet the Lord. I mean, on that Saturday and Sunday, I, I, I felt like I could have just hopped into heaven. I, don't, I mean, that sounds silly, but, uh, but if you could have just been there and, and felt what I was feeling. But here's the deal. That's only part. Because whatever you know, you only know in part. And some of you think you know the power of God because you felt it in a service or you saw it on the mission field, and you do, but the truth is this, God's power is beyond what you could possibly ever dream. He is more able to deliver. He is more able to set free. He is more able to heal. He is more able to create than you ever imagined. Do you know why? Because you only know in part. And Paul gives us a picture of that in the text here where he talks about, we see, we do see, so let's not say we don't see truth now. We do see truth now, but we see as a poor reflection as in a mirror. Now, Paul uses this because the Corinthians were, were the leading, leading producers in antiquity of bronze mirrors. Okay, it would be like if Paul came to us today and he said, okay, you guys in Louisville, you know, I'm going to use an illustration from horse racing or Kentucky Fried Chicken 
or bourbon or something. I don't know, just stuff that, like, that, that Louisville is known for, right? Well, Corinth is, was known for these bronze mirrors, and it was real thin bronze, and you would actually unroll it. You roll it out, and you would see a reflection. But the way to see a more accurate reflection was you had to keep rubbing the mirror, right? So you had to rub the mirror, and, and the, the shinier kind of the gloss of it, the better you could see your reflection. And, and the point he was saying was we see some truth now. We know some things now. We experience some things, but we only know in part. So keep rubbing the mirror. Now, I'm 49, almost, and I know you're going to think this is crazy, but I look forward to being 59 and 69 and 79, should the Lord tarry, and I'll live. Um, I'm looking forward to that, getting older and spending those years rubbing the mirror and, and discovering more because it's never done. It's never enough. You, you never learn it all. You, you, there's more of God. To, you never plumb the depths of God's revelation in his scriptures. There's more to God. There's more to experiencing his life. God's grace is bigger than you know. His majesty is more brilliant than you know. You are washed. You are clean. His forgiveness is more complete than you'll ever, ever know. But keep rubbing the mirror. It's good news. Love is complete. Your, your knowledge is partial. Love is complete. Love is forever, love is complete, and finally, love is supreme. Very quickly, verse 13 says this, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Love is supreme. It's the greatest, he says, because it alone is going to last for eternity. There's a, there's a, a cathedral in Europe, and, and in my notes I had written down the Cathedral of Milan, but when I looked it up online uh, this week, I couldn't find this, like on the pictures of the Cathedral of Milan. So it's not the Cathedral of Milan, but there's some cathedral somewhere in Europe. I know this because I took this down in a lecture, uh, which says it has three inscriptions. It has three doorways, and over one is carved a rose, and then underneath the rose is an inscription that says, all that which pleases is but for a moment. And then there's a second doorway, and it's in, it sculptured the cross, and it says uh, underneath that, all that which troubles is but for a moment. And then when you get to the great central entrance to the main aisle of the cathedral, wherever this is, there is an inscription that says, that only is important, which is eternal. That only is important, which is eternal. In other words, order your life today around things that are going to last forever. Sometimes we give such value and such importance to things in this life that are temporary. And instead, we ought to give supreme value to the things that are going to last forever. What's going to last forever? God? The Word of God, we're told, is going to last forever? The souls of men and women are going to last forever? And love? So focus on the things that will last forever. That is what is really important. In fact, there's an old hymn by Christopher Wordsworth that, that says, and I quote, Faith will vanish into sight. Hope be emptied in delight. Love in heaven will shine more bright. See, faith is important. Hope is important. But love is eternal, and thus it's the most important thing. It is supreme. Therefore, order your life in this world in alignment with the next. And Jesus, of course, is the model. He's the example of, of how to do that. First John says that we know what love is because Jesus demonstrated the way of love on the cross. So the cross 
is the picture of the way of love. John 14, Jesus said, I am the way. We're talking about the way of love. Jesus said, I am the way. So the way of love is following the way of Jesus Christ. And for some of you maybe here today or maybe watching on live stream, that may mean that for the first time you need to surrender to the lordship of Jesus. Like maybe there's some people here, maybe watching on live stream, who, who you've never taken that time where you bowed your knee to Jesus as Lord and said, Jesus, I'm not in charge of my life, you are. I want you on the throne of my life. And you turn to him, and, and the gospel is very simple, that Jesus came because we had rebelled against God and we had been separated because of our sin, and Jesus came and he took that sin on himself. He died on the cross in our place, but he didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave. And his name is above every other name. And all we have to do is turn to him. And for some of you, that's what the call today is. To follow the way of love, which is the way of Jesus Christ. And here's the deal. You don't get saved because you walk in the way of love. You walk in the way of love because you're saved. You you don't get good enough to be saved. No, you just come to God, receive what Jesus has already done on the cross for you. And then you walk in his way. That's what it means to be a disciple. You're a learner. You're, you're a follower on the way. But my guess is for most of you that are here this morning, you've already had that moment. My, my guess is you've already had the moment where you've bowed your knee, you've said, Jesus, yes, you are Lord. Well, then I want you to think about this. Are there some things that you're involved in right now it, it, that it could be, and, and it could be good things. It could be really good things that, that you're involved in, that you're pursuing, that you're madly involved in, all sorts of these good things. But in your effort to get the good thing, you may be letting go of the only thing that really matters. And one day, you're going to see it like you've never seen it before. One day, you're going to see face to face. And I fear that many of us, we're gonna, when we get there face to face, we're going to say, why did I spend so much time doing the things that didn't matter? Why was I so willing to divide from him or for her? I thought I was so right. And you probably were right. But one day you're going to see face to face and you're going to see that the only thing that matters is not being right. It's love. So make a good trade today. Last quote, and I'll close with this. Famous missionary and martyr of the last century who gave his life reaching out to Native Americans in South America, Jim Elliott. He put it this way. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. See, if you make a trade this morning, trade the temporary for the eternal, not the other way around. Because love never dies, never ends. Love never fails. Love is forever, love is complete, and love is supreme.